time here, we want to give you a very special welcome to Imago Church. You're welcome. We're grateful you're here. And um, if you haven't already, go ahead and connect over at the welcome table just right here in the back, right by the entrance. And um, we have a couple of resources there, and we'd love to know how to serve you and be praying for you in this time. And um, again, we want to be hospitable and just simply welcome you here this morning. And uh, we're just so glad to be able to come together to worship and to be refreshed. And here at Imago Church, we are able to really gather together around that purpose. We have common identity and common purpose. Imago means that we are created in the image of God. And our identity is in the image of God and our purpose is in the image of Christ. And God has formed this community so that together we would be a gospel-centered, multicultural community where hope is built through restored relationships, restored relationships with God and with each other. So even when we pause, when we worship, when we greet one another, that's what we're doing. We're living out that restoration, that, that reconciliation, that gift that God has given us. And today we're going to continue in our time of worship by opening up the Word of God. And today's scripture readings, uh, you all know we've been in this series on the book of Ecclesiastes, a series that we've been calling Unlikely Wisdom, where we have been learning about a wisdom that maybe is unfamiliar to us because it's not part of our instincts. It's a wisdom from God, a wisdom from above. And so today, uh, we've been in Ecclesiastes and on Unlikely Wisdom the past couple of weeks. If you missed any of those, Go check them out over on YouTube or any of our podcasts or, plat or platforms. Um, but today's scripture is going to be from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 9 to 17. So you can go ahead and open up your Bibles, or you can follow along with the Word of God um, in the projector screen. And for those worshiping online, it will be right on the slides as well. So Ecclesi Ecclesiastes chapter 2, beginning at verse 9 to 17. Ecclesiastes, capítulo 2, versículos 9 al 17, for anyone following along in Spanish. I'll read it for, uh, for us in English this morning. Ecclesiastes, chapter 2, beginning at verse 9. Let's hear now with open ears and open hearts from the Word of God. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me, Solomon is saying. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing. My eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly just as light is better than darkness. 
The wise have eyes in their heads, while the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise also must die. Verse 17, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the rawness and the realness of your scriptures. Thank you, Lord, that, um, that you meet us just as we are, right where we are. And Lord, um, I just pray that you would be able to speak to us in a way that is fresh and new this morning. So Lord, would you pour your spirit down, Lord, as we've been uh, praying here together, Lord. Pour your spirit down and speak to us, Lord, in a way that is fresh and is new. And Lord, even as we read this passage, it may seem a little bit off. It may seem a little bit like a downer or a little depressing, God. But Lord, would you reveal to it to us your deep truth that you're trying to speak to us here, Lord God. A truth that comes from you, Lord. A truth that it goes beyond our own instincts and our own abilities. We love you, Lord, and we continue to pray this morning for all those who desperately need you, Lord. We pray uh, specifically, God, today for um, those who have been impacted by Hurricane Ian in the southwest of our country, Lord, for those in Florida, for those in South Carolina, God, and, as, and for those that have been devastated by this already in the, Cari in the Caribbean, Lord, in Cuba, Puerto Rico, Lord, and different parts God, would you be with those, Lord, who are grieving. Be with those who are rebuilding, Lord, and crying out to you. And use us as your hands and feet, Lord. Thank you that we already have ways, even as a community, Lord, that we could be supporting those that are in need and suffering, Lord, over there. We'll be presenting that soon, God. And Lord, we just pray, as your scripture says, to grieve with those who grieve, to rejoice with those who rejoice. We continue to pray for the sick, Lord God for those that we know within our families, but then also um, for uh, those that are, are perhaps in their days where they don't know what's to come. We pray, Lord, for uh, Ruben Madrid. He loves you with all of his heart, God. He's one of the founding members here at Imago, and we just continue to Entrust him and his wife into your hands, Lord God, and all that they're navigating right now. Thank you, Lord, that they continue to pray for us and continue to be a part of this community, even while apart, Lord. We love you, and we give you all the praise and glory, God. We also lift up uh, Europe, Lord, and this conflict continuously with uh, Ukraine and Russia, God. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy, Lord. We don't know the answers, but we look to you, God the one who makes all things new and beautiful. We love you, Lord, and we pray all of these things in your precious, precious name. 
Amen. 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 Um, Danny or David, if you can do me a favor and get my charger from my office. It's in my backpack. And uh, plug it in to, to the notes here. That would be excellent. So we're today we're continuing in this uh, series on the book of Ecclesiastes. And as we read here, Ecclesiastes can sometimes be a, a book that is a bit raw, it's a bit unconventional, it's a bit just straight to the point, and maybe even a little bit different for, for some of us who haven't read it before. Um, as it says here, right, all of the things that we pursue are really just chasing after the wind if we don't align our hearts and our minds and our ways with the Lord. And through these next several weeks, we're going to be on this journey of faith-seeking understanding, a journey leading us to unlikely wisdom. And again, we call Ecclesiastes unlikely wisdom because it's not wisdom based on our own instincts or on our, on our own abilities, but on a wisdom from above, a wisdom that is from outside of us. And we're studying this book of Ecclesiastes together. And one thing we've learned, and I want you to write this down when reflecting on Ecclesiastes, and we have a slide for this. Ecclesiastes talks about how we are meant to find meaning and purpose in this life. Ecclesiastes talks about how we are called to find meaning and purpose in this life. And really, through this special book, we see human attempts at trying to find satisfaction through things that truly do not satisfy. Trying to find happiness through wealth, through money, through achievement and success, all of those things will simply be what the author of Ecclesiastes refers to as meaningless. We talked a lot about that last week, just what vanity and meaninglessness actually means. It's a lot like vapor. It's the same word as vapor. That right, right, if you think of a spray bottle that we can have here, that's vapor, and us trying to just catch that vapor is really just meaningless because there's nothing truly there to get unlikely wisdom actually comes only when we realize that true satisfaction only comes from knowing god and from being grateful being grateful to enjoy everything that god has already given us there's nothing to just be living in regret about or there's nothing to just think that if one day I have that, then I can have joy. No, that can begin now. Because as we've been learning in this journey of unlikely wisdom, joy and wisdom are truly just one decision and one next step away for each one of us. All of us have the choice to actually um, um, take a next step and that next step can be toward pride, toward self-destruction, or that next step can actually be toward life and wisdom. Only God will be able to fulfill the deep longing that we seek, the deep longing for purpose and identity that our heart of hearts is truly wanting. So until we find it in God, we're going to be looking and looking everywhere, as it says here, as if we're chasing after the wind. 
Solomon was a person, and we talked a lot about him last week, a person that was very, very wealthy, richer than anyone you and I would ever know. But that was not enough for Solomon. He viewed success as, you know, those things that come and go, that wasn't enough. All of that material success without wisdom is, as he continues to say throughout this whole book, it's meaningless. It's vapor. It comes and it goes. Solomon, he sought to know the ways of God. He sought to understand the wisdom of God and then to share that wisdom with others. And one thing that we want to be clear about, especially as we've been talking about this over the last several weeks, and you can write this down, and I believe we have the slide for it too. This is the truth about God's wisdom. God's wisdom is not just for those that know the most or have the most, but God's wisdom is available to those who seek it. Not to those who think they know or those that have a bunch of stuff, but it's avail- God's wisdom is available to those who seek it. To do what the Lord says in, the, in, in, in these scriptures, in the Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. The fear of the Lord is really an attitude adjustment. It's an attitude that begins with humility, surrender, and trust. That is the first step of wisdom and attitude adjustment, openness, humility, and surrender. So even when we sang that song, that was a prayer for all of us, asking, Lord, would you teach us, teach us your ways? Our ways aren't working. We want to know you more. So today, we're going to reflect on what it actually means to go on this journey of unlikely wisdom. And this journey of unlikely wisdom is actually going to take us from point A to point B. It's going to take us from comparison to contentment. From comparing myself with others to learning to be content with who God has made me to be and with what God has given me. That's part of the journey of unlikely wisdom. So what is comparison? Comparison is something that we all go through. It's something that, in fact, we all kind of justify in our minds. Why? Because we're all trying to fit in. The truth is, all of us at different points of our lives and in different groups, we feel like we don't belong. So what do we do? We compare to try to fit in. And in fact, there will always be someone with more. The way that uh, this uh, pastor that I listen to a lot, he's edified me a lot, and I owe a lot of this message to him, so go and, and listen to his messages. Uh, um, Andy Stanley, he, he talks about contentment, and he says that there will always be someone with more er, E-R, er, right? There's always going to be someone that is richer than you, someone skinnier than you, someone smarter than you, someone more talented-er than you, someone prettier than you, someone handsomer than you, someone cuter than you, someone with a better job. Ecclesiastes reveals to us, and this life confirms it, that whatever you think you're good at or really accomplished at, 
or that area of your life that you're like, you know what, I'm pretty good at this. I'm a big shot in this. Ecclesiastes here reminds us, guess what? I know you're good at that, but there will always be someone better. There will always be someone with more err. What we can do sometimes as people to make ourselves feel better about that is we just make sure and, and we want to make sure that we fit in is we look around and instead of you know associating with people that we know are better than us at that we just look around and look for people with less er right that makes us feel superior over them I mean, who knows? I've thought, I wonder if that's the reason for the rise of reality TV shows, right? Well, at least my life is not like them, making myself feel better. And the truth is that for some of us, we're not going to be satisfied even if we're better. For some of us, we're not looking for the ER, for the ER. We want to be the EST, the EST. We want to be the BEST. We want to be the rich S, the smart S, the handsome S, the pretty S, the nicest, the popular S. I don't even know if that's a word or the most tweeted S, whatever it is, right? But the bottom line is that when it comes to comparison, whether you're trying to be better or the best, there will never be a win when it comes to comparison. In fact, comparison is what puts the dis, the D-I-S, it's what puts the dis in discontentment. Comparison is what puts the un, the U-N, the un, in being unhappy. Comparison to others is what takes us from gratitude, which gratitude is reality. It's here and now. Comparison takes us from gratitude to ingratitude. Comparison takes us from happy to unhappy. And comparison is what takes us from contentment to discontentment. Comparison and discontentment can work for some, but remember, it works only until it doesn't. Comparison can work as a motivation for some time, but eventually, comparison will cross a line. And that line will no longer just be an annoying attitude, but instead, if it's not properly checked or maintained, comparison will become a dangerous lifestyle. A dangerous lifestyle, and I say this because I've seen it happen. Comparison will end up hurting you. It will end up hurting others, even others that you love, even others that care for you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've worked hard. You've studied hard. And perhaps you're even working yourself to death. You're studying yourself to death and you're saying, well, it's just my drive. I just need to keep going here. I just need to maximize my potential. 
But let's be honest, and this is what Ecclesiastes will do every single time. God's wisdom holds a mirror toward us and asks us, really? What's really your motivation? Is it just the drive or is your secret motivation some kind of comparison? A comparison with someone that has absolutely no idea that you're competing with them. Oftentimes, our, our drive through comparison is actually not driving us, but is actually destroying us. Destroying ourselves financially, destroying ourselves relationally, destroying ourselves emotionally. Why? Just because we're trying to keep up with someone else just because we're trying to compare ourselves to someone who has no idea that we're even comparing ourselves to them. I mean, these days, even in the social media age, right? Comparing ourselves to someone that we don't even know, who doesn't even know us, who doesn't even know we exist. Why? We live in a world where everyone just puts out their bestest of everything, right? Friends, brothers, sisters, whether you're younger or older, a student or starting your career or retired or whatever it may be, let's all be aware of this. When it comes to all kinds of things like keeping up appearances or even things like social media or the internet, let's be clear about this and I want you to remember this. There is more to the picture than just the post. There is more to the picture than just the post. God knows, and you know, because you know there's more to your own life than just the post. So, of course, there's going to be the same for others. You know you will never be as much as whoever or whatever you're trying to compare yourself to. So what do we do sometimes? We shrink back, we become embarrassed, we become ashamed, we become uh, you know, um, guilty or whatever it may be. We shrink back and we create reasons and convince ourselves that that person we're trying to compare ourselves to, we try to convince ourselves something's not right with them, they're not okay, right? And kind of justify ourselves there. But here's the truth, you're right. Something's not right, they're not okay. And you're not okay either. I'm not okay. We all need God. We all need someone to deliver us from this meaningless chasing after the wind of comparison. So what is comparison? And you can write this down, and I believe we have the slide as well. It's this. Comparison is jealousy of someone else's life. Comparison is jealousy of someone else's life. You know, it's what the Bible even calls envy. Envy is being resentful. Why? Because someone else has the life that you think you deserve. That's what comparison and envy are. There's comparison in resentment, 
And then comparison is always followed by that voice. And you all know that voice that I'm talking about. You've heard it in your head. For some of you, it sounds like one kind of person. For others, it sounds like some kind of whisper. I don't know. But we all hear the voice. The voice that says, you need what they have. You need what they have in order to be respected. You need what they have in order to be accepted. You need to be like them in order to be loved. But here's the truth. And again, the journey of unlikely wisdom reminds us of this. They, whoever they are, those people also hear the voice. They also have a they. It's a never-ending cycle that unless we confront it, our whole life, our whole resources, our whole energy is going to be wasted chasing after the wind through comparison, through envy. You know, uh, several, earlier this year, I got to visit some friends, and I was so grateful to have a friend here uh, from uh, Menlo Park. We were just talking about that earlier, but uh, that's in Atherton County. That's in one of the wealthiest zip codes, if not the wealthiest zip code in the entire state of California, and one of the most in the entire country as well. And I got to visit some of these friends in the Bay Area recently who work in tech and in engineering industry, and they've told me something that's very hard to believe. And it's probably laughable to a lot of us, right, and to most people around the world. But many people in that county have told me, or in that area, the Bay Area, have told me about a phenomenon of not feeling rich. None of them feel rich. Why? Well, in some of those counties, the average home is $3 million. But their next-door neighbor has a $6 million home. But, and then the neighbor across the street has an $8 million home. So they don't feel rich. One does not feel rich because, and I've heard this before and I've read this before, no, I'm not rich because my neighbor's yacht, my neighbor's luxury boat is bigger than mine. I only have a small yacht. Who here has a yacht? I mean, Al, of course, right? But <laughs> party in the yacht, Al's yacht. Comparing luxury boats, saying, oh, well, my luxury boat is smaller than my neighbor's, so I'm not rich. I don't have a super yacht. And then they still feel non-rich because they know people who know people who connect to people that are super rich, right? Some of you heard of that story of the super yacht by the Amazon guy, Jeff Bezos, who has the world's biggest yacht, which actually required an entire bridge in the Netherlands to be opened just so that his super boat can pass under it. You know, I was there earlier this year and I got to ride on a boat there and with my uh, my, my guide there, he told me that Jeff Bezos probably paid somewhere between 5 and $10 million to get that bridge opened just so his boat can pass by. Just think, think about that for a second, right? In the way that you and I can probably spend $50, the super rich find it simple to just spend $5 million just like that just to get through a bridge, right? 
But, you know, as I mentioned, I was there earlier this year, and I also got to go through that same bridge in a smaller boat. It was a water taxi, so I saved $5 million. $5 million that I didn't have. But still, take that, Jeff Bezos, huh? Solomon was the wisest and perhaps the richest man who ever lived. And in another book he wrote, in the book of Proverbs, he summarizes what comparison and envy does. He says this in the book of Proverbs, and I want you to hear this and receive this. Envy rots the bones. That's what envy will do. Comparison destroys. It's not just a fun little habit. It will end up destroying your life, your relationships, your emotions. So what does the Bible say here to do? Just knock it off. Just stop. Your life is not meant for that. And we all think, right, well, that would be so much smoother, right? If we all wish it, we, it could be that easy. But we know it's not. Comparison is a lifelong struggle. And I'm going to be honest with you as your pastor. I don't know how to make it go away. I don't know the words or, or the, the specific prayer to just make it go away. It's a lifelong struggle for all. It's been a lifelong struggle for me. So I don't know exactly how to make it go away. I've struggled with it and continue to. But comparison does not have to control your life. That's what unlikely wisdom teaches us. It doesn't have to control you. It doesn't have to define you. Comparison, comparison does not have to drive you in all that you do. Envy and comparison, they may not be a problem that we can just solve like that at the snap of a finger, but by God's grace, there will be no room for comparison in eternity. There will be no room for envy when we're all in the presence of God. Envy and comparison, that's a challenge that we can all learn to surrender to God in this life so that we don't surrender to comparison. Because if we don't surrender to God, we will surrender to envy. We will surrender to comparing ourselves to others. And this is important, especially if you're a follower of Jesus because he calls you. You all have a call in your life. He calls you according to his purposes. And I just want you to think about this. And you can write this down. And, and we have the slide as well for it. He calls you. And this is very important. Because what if you miss God's purpose for your life? Because you are so busy trying to keep up with and compare yourself with someone else. Keep up with or compare yourself with someone or something that doesn't exist. That's just an illusion. That's just a hologram. It's hollow. You touch it and there's nothing there. Just mist, just vapor. Some of you know what a hologram is, right? We can have that here, the image displayed, and it can look very impressive. But the moment that you go up to it, that you try to touch it, there's nothing there. 
It's hollow. It's empty. It's mist. It's a light show. It's vapor. It's an illusion. It's not real. If we're just chasing after the wind and trying to grab something that's not real, then what do we need? I mean, just put yourself in those shoes. If you observed someone here chasing after something, talking to someone, yelling at someone that's not there, what would you say that person needs? They need help. We need help. And today, we're going to get some help. Jesus, of course, is our help. But today, we're going to get a couple of tools of defense against the challenges of comparison and envy. This is a weapon that we gain from unlikely wisdom in Ecclesiastes. It's a weapon that, give, that, we, that we can take on, that we can use when we drift. Because the truth is, if we're not actually actively focused on contentment, we're going to drift to comparison. We're going to drift to envy and to jealousy of others. When you feel behind, when you feel unworthy, when you feel unloved, we're going to ha- learn a couple of tools for you to be able to stay in your lane of contentment instead of drifting. A few phrases that we can hold on to when we hear the lies of comparison or when we get the temptation of envy on our journey in this life. Now, these words will give life and actually refocus our thinking to the purpose that Jesus calls us toward in our lives. Solomon, he shared a lot in the book of Ecclesiastes. He's sharing about his life experiences in these passages as an old man. Everything that he's worked for and achieved and toiled for, and he says, I've been there, I've done that. And I know that a lot of that stuff just comes from envy and comparison. Everybody is competing. Everybody is comparing. People are determining where they are based on where everybody else is. But remember, things change. They change. All of that. It's not sustainable. But the phrase that we're going to be learning here today is a part of our phrase to internalize and speak to ourselves and to preach to ourselves when we start drifting into comparison. And it's this. God has not called you to chase after the wind. God has not called you to chase after the wind. A chasing after the wind, what is that? Just think about it for a second. Think of yourself. Think of someone you know. Just engaged in this activity of chase. There's some wind blowing and all they're doing is chasing it in that direction, hoping that they will catch it. Chasing after the wind is endless. It's pointless. And there is no finish line. Nobody wins. Nobody gains anything. There is no trophy. There is no payoff for chasing after the wind. Why? Because it's pointless. It will not gain a day to your life. It will not add anything. But here's what it does. Chasing after the wind, or comparison, it takes a lot of energy. 
It takes a ton of energy, but what is it doing? Nothing. It's doing nothing by giving away everything. Chasing after the wind gives us no peace, but it only gives us one thing. It actually does give us a couple of things. Chasing after the wind or comparing ourselves, you know what it does give us? Dissatisfaction. You know what it does give us? Bitterness. Because you will never catch the wind. Because the wind is not meant to be caught. That's why you're not going to catch it. The wind is not meant to be caught. Comparison guarantees dissatisfaction and bitterness. It steals our joy. It steals and takes away gratitude from our accomplishments. Each one of you has gifts and accomplishments that you can thank God for. Whether you're younger or older, whatever stage in life you're in, you can be grateful before God. Comparison steals our joy from what we have done. It steals our our attention from the goals that God has set for you and for your life. It steals it away. Because instead of receiving grace and rejoicing in reality as it is, we're just obsessed with comparing ourselves to what someone else did. And I want you to remember this, and you can go ahead and write this down. What someone else does has nothing to do with you. What someone else does has nothing to do with you. You know what you have to do with? You. You have to do with you. So love God. Love yourself. Because when you love yourself... God will give you the freedom and the ability to truly love others. But when you have those moments, and we will have those moments, when we drift, when you catch yourself comparing yourself to someone else, drifting into someone else's lane, right? That's what happens when we compare ourselves with someone else. It's like drifting into their lane. Some of you drive, and you know that when you're not paying attention and you start drifting into another lane... What starts to happen in the road? It gets bumpy, right? It does that little warning sign to wake you up. You're going into someone else's lane here. Warning, accident, collision. You're going to crash. You know, I remember at one point that woke me up and saved my life. Once Charlotte and I came home from a vacation very late and tons of plane delays. We didn't get into Fresno until 3 a.m. and had to drive home. And as we were driving home, um, Charlotte was way asleep, and I was just, uh, you know, battling the sleep monster here. And I was just going, going, zombied out. And then suddenly I felt the (laughs) the car kind of shaking, and and that woke me up and got me all the way home. It helped me stay in my lane when I started feeling things getting rocky. So remember those words and say that out loud. Say that to yourself when you find yourself drifting into someone else's lane, when you get caught in comparison and envy and bitterness. Tell yourself, preach to yourself, that is chasing after the wind. 
And God did not create me to be a wind chaser. God created me to live my calling according to his purposes. That's why he created you. Not to waste your time, not to waste your energy chasing after the wind. Do you want to spend the rest of your life chasing the wind? That's a question. What's the answer? No. No, of course not. Because there is no reward. There is no purpose. There is no point in chasing the wind. There is no end. There is no win. There is no finish line. And whether we give it a couple of hours or some of us have given it an entire lifetime of comparing ourselves to others. Chasing after the wind will accomplish nothing. Nothing. And you can write this down. Because chasing after the wind, just like comparison, accomplishes absolutely nothing. In fact, it does the opposite. Chasing the wind, just like comparison, it takes all of your energy. It takes all of your time, but it leaves you with nothing. With nothing except exhaustion, frustration, and bitterness. Does any of that sound familiar? Or am I just preaching to myself this morning? Friend, brother, sister. God did not create you to be a wind chaser. He created you for so much more. For something so much greater to live out according to his purposes. Your life is too valuable. Your life is too precious in the eyes of God to waste it away. Please don't waste it chasing after the wind. Please don't waste it in comparing yourself to others. Because here's the truth. There is only one you. And that's the only you that you need to be. There is only one you. And actually, God will not settle for comparison because he chooses you. He chooses you just as you are and he wants you just as you are. And when we surrender our lives to Christ, God wants, wants to use you and will use you according to his purposes, just as you are. So where are you today? God is ready to move forward on this journey. But sometimes we are so busy chasing after the wind that we're going nowhere fast. Busy chasing after the wind and gaining nothing while giving up everything. That's what it causes in our lives. And when those moments come, those moments of envy, of comparison, of jealousy, of bitterness, here's what we're going to do together. This will be our action plan. This will be our covenant together as a community. First and foremost, when comparison enters your mind, first just pause. Just pause. Just pray. Then give yourself grace. Give yourself forgiveness. 
just as God has already been gracious to you, he forgives you. And then remind yourself that you were not created to chase after the wind. Not today. Tell yourself, I am not a wind chaser. We can even say that together. I am not a wind chaser. I will not waste energy comparing myself with others because I have been called by God. I have been called by God according to His purposes. Friends, this is the journey going from comparison to contentment. And that's an exciting journey. That's an invitation from God to go the next level, to go the next level in your wisdom, in your discipleship, in your closeness, and in your intimacy with God. Because here's the truth. You can become a person that God uses when you live a life of contentment. Because that's the real you. That's not trying to keep up with someone else and God wants to use you. When we practice contentment, God will use us because contentment results in knowing that God is sufficient, that God is enough, that there's not something missing. There's not something that would just be added. Yes, we've all been there, but I want you to hear this and I want you to live into this into this freedom. Comparison has no power over you. It can seem big, it can seem scary, it can seem intimidating, but it has no power over you. Why? Because nothing is lacking. That's just an illusion. That's just a hologram. Nothing is missing because God is enough. Friend, brother, sister, whatever season of life you're in, I want you to hear this. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. God, your Father, did not create you to be a wind chaser. He did not create you to waste your life comparing yourself to anyone else or to anything else. No, but instead, our God who loves you, he created you to live out your calling according to his purposes. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you because when we consider, Lord, who you are, we know that you do not make mistakes when it comes to creating your precious and beloved sons and daughters. Lord God, today we just want to surrender. We want to pause and pray and turn our attention to you, Lord. Forgive us, God when we've spent time, when we've spent energy, when we've spent money, 
in chasing after the wind. Help us, Lord, today to simply pause, pray, repent, and move toward you, Lord. Today, Lord God, we ask ourselves, where are we looking to find meaning? Where are we looking to find purpose? And if it's anywhere else, Lord God, I pray that you would help us by your spirit to turn back toward you. Guide us in your ways, Lord. Guide us in your wisdom. Let us not lean on our own understanding, O oh God. Lord Jesus, you are wisdom in the flesh. And you abide in those who trust you, Lord. Today we place our faith, our hope, and our trust in you. Take us on this journey to unlikely wisdom, to godly wisdom. Where we can be free to let go of comparison the freedom of contentment, Lord. Because you are enough. And in Christ, Lord God, we are enough. In you. Nothing is lacking. God is enough. Lord, you did not create your daughters and sons, your children here, Lord. You did not create us to be wind chasers to be purpose finders, Lord God. Help us today to step into that purpose, Lord God. Trusting in you. Trusting that the good work that you began in us, you will bring into completion. Make us new, Lord. 